So the big question is this. How are real estate investors who don't have a ton of free time, don't have access to off-market deals, and didn't start life on third base? How do we grow a real estate business conservatively to support our families, finally leave the corporate rat race, and build a legacy? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Ed Matthews, and this is Real Estate Underground. This is the Real Estate Underground podcast show number 59. Greetings and salutations, Real Estate Undergrounders. It's Ed Matthews here. Uh, I am joined by Anthony Walker. He is the Chief Investment Officer and owner of Cornerstone Commercial Investments. Anthony, welcome to the team. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Couldn't be more excited to yeah. uh, share some of my knowledge. So Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thank you for yep. pronouncing that off, 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 uh, offline. <laughs> I would have absolutely destroyed that had we not uh, had that first conversation. So, uh, so Idaho, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting market, right? I mean, you know, there's been a huge tech boom out in, you know, in the Boise area and totally. in your area as well. Right. And uh, one of, one of the people that I follow very closely, Russell Brunson is, uh, is probably not too far from you. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we love, we love, I love Coeur You know, when I, when I got into business, my own business, I got to, you know, I was, if I want to start a business, where do I want to live? And this is where I live right. because it's my dream, dream location. I wouldn't yeah, want to be anywhere else. God's country, right? Absolutely. God's yeah, country is time. correct. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. So, um, so, you know, proof positive, right? I'm in Connecticut and you're in Idaho. We're in the same business. Doesn't much matter where you live. Uh, it matters where you invest. Right. And Absolutely. so, so, so tell me about your business. You know, how did you get started? What kind of drew you into the real estate world as opposed to some other entrepreneurial endeavor? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. I, um, during my freshman year of college and I did the whole college route, thought it was the only way to succeed in life type idea, you know, and I paid for my own college and yeah. freshman year, I, uh, you know, read classic rich dad, poor dad, and was like, Bible. that's what I want to do. I want to become financially free as quickly as possible. And I thought at the time, actually, it was going to be through tech, um, technology, technology sales, started my own tech company. So I worked internships at tech companies, graduated college, went work for a tech job, made like 36,000 a year. But I was like, man, I'm going to work my way up, get into sales. I was always good at sales. And then six months into that, and I said, you know what, this is the only time in my life where I have zero risk, in my opinion, like Right. Risk to start a business when I'm young is very little. I don't have kids. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't married at the time. Right. And these, you know, these things that you have, these different barriers. So I jumped right into uh, wanting to get into real estate. Actually, I was going to start in wholesaling, but ended up getting my real estate license, sold a bunch of real estate. Me, I formed a team with my now business partner, actually. Um, <clears throat> we formed a team, sold about $100 million in real estate wow. um, over a nice. two and a half year period. Um, just hustled. I was door knocking, cold calling, doing everything I could. I wanted to make money quick so I can become financially free. Pretty good way to do it. And uh, yeah, totally. And my my business partner at the time had a cornerstone. And so I joined as the third partner and we really scaled it at that point. We really started taking it off. And now we, uh, we've we raised just about $45 million. I don't sell real estate anymore. Just focus as full-time chief investment officer, uh, building a brand, trying to raise capital, trying to analyze deals. That's what I do on the day-to-day and uh, we're operating right out of Coeur d'Alene here. We've got an office and we have built and developed real estate in Oregon, Idaho, and Montana, and we continue to do so. Wow. That's phenomenal. So, um, so tell me about the types of assets that you focus on. Yeah. So we focus fully on um, 
multifamily. So workforce housing, we're not doing anything subsidized. We're not doing any, you know, section eight housing. We're also not building your beautiful, you know, downtown luxury apartments. We're building that, you know, we put quartz countertip countertops type in our brand new developments. We're, we're focused on that workforce. So 30 to 40% income. And yep. we want to hold our assets for five, seven, 10, even 20 years if it's, you know, an irreplaceable asset. So all our investors come in for that long-term good, sustainable cash flow. We'll, we'll refinance three or four times in some of our assets. That's excellent. And so when you when you go into a deal, um, are we talking about syndication, joint ventures, combination thereof, other models? I mean, how how do you yeah. uh, how do your investors win? Great question. So um, we've got the three GPs. We do a lot of ground up construction. So the three of us are signing personal guarantees on the construction loans and the rest of the capital comes purely from LP investors. So we have, you know, people investing 50,000 and we have people investing $2 million, but all LP money. And then we manage the fund. We manage the entire thing. So all of our, you know, all of our LPs are receiving completely passive income. We take care of everything besides, you know, we, we wire the funds out once a month to your different accounts. Excellent. And so, so you, you, you and I are in similar businesses and that, um, you know, I'm in that, you know, uh, C and B class workman's housing yep. type, uh, type of um, investments. And so what drew you to that sector of the, of the class? You know, why not, Great. A? why not section eight? Right. Great question. I mean, our logo is a an equity shield, is what we call it, and it's to protect equity for our investors. So, you know that that D class, you know, stuff can have really good returns. It's also incredibly hard to manage. The tenants you're working with are incredibly difficult, and then you get up to you know A class luxury. Great, you can make a killer of a return on it. You can build it for maybe a little bit more, but you can get crazy good rents. But as we're seeing in today's market, today's market, at least in our markets and other markets we study, let's take Boise even for example. Those are the first ones, you know, people that have higher vacancies. You know, I've, I've looked at apartments that have ten percent vacancy on luxury property now. So okay. your your profits can be higher, but you can also, you know, during a down market go down. So we focused fully on workforce housing because it's the least volatile. So when we're, you know, in this market, when, you know, the Fed's trying to increase rates so people can't buy houses or trying to, you know, increase unemployment, we're still have our, our units rented and we're going to be able to ride out this volatility wave. Even if we lose equity because, you know, cap rates went from a four to a five, great. We're still seeing a seven, eight, nine, 10% cash on cash return. So your original investment still getting money on that. So right. that's kind of our bread and butter is to ride right. out volatility and be that equity shield for our investors. Yeah. So you and I think, think alike there. I mean, the, the fact is, is that, you know, when you look at 2008, nine, 10, you know, the, the uh, properties that took a beating were the class A properties, right? Totally. And, I mean, admittedly B's and C's did as well, but but from a stability perspective, you can't be, you know, a, a strong class C neighborhood because, you know, those folks, um, you know, they're they're good, hardworking folks, right? They crank your wrench, yep. they crank a wrench to to fix your car, they pour your coffee at the local diner, they, you know, cash you out at Target, um, totally. and uh, you know, and they probably have one person probably has all three of those jobs, right? So they're, yeah, they're yeah, butts off. I mean, my business partner during the um, recession you referred yeah. there, you know, people can hold off for a while. You know, if they're going to live at mom and dad's, they're going to have a roommate, they're going to have, you know, whatever they need to do, rent a bedroom. But right. that bubble keeps on getting bigger and bigger. So during the 08 recession, yeah, rents went down a little bit. But yeah. then look at 11, 12, 13, rents went up significantly because right. that bubble burst, you know, talk about real estate bubbles. There's also renter bubbles where people have to get out of the house. They have to transition for housing. Yeah. And when all that demand hits the market at once, it pushes up demand. And my 
business partner had some assets during that time. And yeah, they were, you know, maybe flat during 08, 09, but then they went up significantly That's over like right. a five-year period. His rents almost doubled. Yeah. And I think we're going to see the exact same thing. We're seeing it right now. We've got about a six to 12 now. month lag where people are holding back. People are staying at home longer. Like I said, they're, you know, they have their roommate, but they're, you know, when you get married and you have a married couple living in a two bedroom, two bath, they're going to want to split eventually. And right. that bubble is going to burst. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year, but we're going to have that demand pour back in the market and increase rents. So that's why yeah. we love what we do. Yeah. Here in the Northeast, we're seeing that exact phenomenon, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not that, you know, rents have, I wouldn't say doubled, but they've certainly increased, you know, depending on the market, eight to 12 yeah. year over year for the last couple of years. And, you know, if you, if you listen to like Moody's or some of the other economists, you know, they're saying that it's not that rent is going to go down. It's just going to stop growing as fast. Yep. And that, you know, that is music to, to my ears <clears throat> and our investments ears, investors ears, sure. Like yours as well. Uh, in that, whew, you know, it's a nice stable, you know, we're still making money. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're still able to, to, to fund those businesses so we can provide a clean and safe place where people are proud to grow, you know, to raise their family. Totally. I mean, we, we underwrite all of our deals on a pro form at a 3% rent growth. You know, we, we yeah. basically, if we can increase 3%, that's, you know, that's the, uh, inflation rate. And if we have 60, 40 debt, great. They're going to really, the assets going to appreciate it, you know, Absolutely. let's say seven, eight, 9% a year. Great. Right we're, we're killing it for investors plus cash on cash. You know, we have a great IRR. Right. That's what we underwrite our deals. If we overperform that and ideally we will, our right. investors are happier, we're happier, but sure. we underwrite every deal at a 3% a year rent growth. And some years right. they might go up 10% and some years they might go down 5%. But overall, if we can hit that, you know, and we sell in 10 years, then our investors are going to two, three, four X the money. Right. So everybody wins. That's good. Yep. Um, so, so let me ask you from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, one of the things that I'm intrigued by, uh, you know, our, our, our pre-show conversation was, you know, the person you have to be like the person you have to become in order to be an entrepreneur and to succeed at, <clears throat> at you know, yep. whatever business you're in. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Great question. So a lot of people look at me as, you know, I'm, I'm 25 years old, I'm young, you know, I'm raising capital, I'm managing this with my partners. And, um, you know, they think, oh, gosh, you know, he graduated high school just a few years ago. But really, it started 10 years ago, when I bought my first car, and I flipped cars, paid for all of my college flipping cars. And, you know, I've been I've been working on this entrepreneurial journey for 10 years, you know, building wow. this mindset. And really, what it takes, I think, for a successful entrepreneur is, you know, someone who's just getting into it, they're like, oh, I'm motivated, I'm ready to go, I'm motivated, I listen to this motivational speech, but all of that is such short term. It's the discipline that really gets you from point A to point B. It's, it's if you want to start a business and you have no money, it's be willing to, you know, my first apartment when I rented, when I moved back here, I was renting a bedroom for 350 bucks a month and my expenses were $1,200 a month, you know, and now I've raised $42 million and I'm, I'm doing much better. But like I had the discipline to ride those waves out. Also the discipline to get in the office at 5 a.m. a lot of these mornings and work those, you know, first three, four hours of just focused time. So if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, what I believe is discipline. Like discipline gets you from point A to point B. When you get to point B, it's the discipline that you really want to have is what gets you to point C, which is when you have real wealth, financial freedom, and like that abundance that every, you know, every entrepreneur wants that abundance, that beautiful sure. lifestyle. They want to take a month off of work, whatever it is, but it takes discipline to get there. And that's, that's what offsets people. Most people, 99% of people, I'd say, you know, 1% of people are successful entrepreneurs because of those 99% don't have the discipline. Yeah. They're not willing to make that sacrifice, right? And, nope. you know, I mean, one of the things that, that, you know, we focus on in our house is, you know, we don't live above our means, you know, we, we pay our bills and, you know, we, 
but we don't have, you know, really fancy cars and a giant yeah. swimming pool in the backyard. And, uh, you know, we, we go on trips, but we don't go on, you know, we don't fly first class. We fly coach, coach right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, man, I'd, I'd love to fly business class or first class. I'm a 6'4". I, I don't fold into seats very well. Yeah, I'm 6'3". So yeah, so there I you go. Agree you know. more. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you, you know, but the fact is, is that it's not about that, right? It's about sac- making small sacrifices today so that five, 10, yep. 20, however many years out. Delay gratification. Totally. Exactly what it is. Delay gratification. Life if you can right. sacrifice today so one day you can fly first class, as long as you don't try to, you know, put those in there and try to sneak it in there, it's it's really going to pay off in the end for most yeah. entrepreneurs. And that's, you know, instead of flying first class, you can hire a new employee. That's the mindset you have to switch that, to as well as, as a, as a, from an employee to an employer. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. And, and, you know, you mentioned the the Purple Bible, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad a while ago. And, you know, yeah. that was one of the things that, so I read that book in 08. Um, okay. And I think 08. And the, you know, the thing that, um, that one of the major kind of nuggets that I took away from that book was, you know, don't buy stuff to make you feel good, right? Buy assets yeah. that can then turn around and pay for the stuff you want, right? 100%. Yeah. I mean, and I do the same thing to this day. You know, we were buying an asset in, or we just bought an asset and the cash flow from that is what, you know, I needed a new vehicle. Now I have cash flow from my investments. It's going to buy for and pay for that right. new truck for me. And so now my equity in that's going to continue to go up. But that truck, as you know, trucks lose value, but great, that's being paid for by my cash flow. So now in, in 10 years, when I sell that asset and I, you know, say I have a hundred thousand equity, I'll sell it and pull out 300,000 and my truck will be paid for from the cash flow. Right. Win-win situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. You and I think almost identically, I, <laughs> I drive a, I drive a, 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 a Ford Explorer with about 85,000 miles on it. Yeah. And I love it. And, yep. you know, so, and it's fine. You know, I'm hoping to get 200,000 miles out of it. Hundred percent. I'm just yep. the same way. I mean, I I had an old Chevy truck that I drove until you know recently, and I upgraded to a newer Chevy truck, and I'll drive that one for quite a while, you know. And yeah. and ideally, I, I have delayed gratification now, and of course, I want the life where I can go buy a new truck whenever I want, type idea. But right now, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you're first starting out or when you're growing your business, you know, it's it's about those delayed gratification moments, of sacrifice. And in 10, 20 years, I, I'm going to live the life of my dreams, and I'm already living the life of my dreams. I also would love what I do every day. I couldn't yeah. be more. Excited excited to go into the office. And I think that's the other side of it too, is if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're going to find burned out. So you, you know, you're going to get burned out on whatever you're trying to do. So, um, you know, find passion around whatever company you want to start or whatever you're doing in life. Yep. Yeah. There's the legend of Steve jobs, the Apple founder, you know, one of the things that I, I allegedly he had was a sticky note on his mirror every morning <laughs> that, that, you know, asked the simple question, are you excited about today? And yep. you know, it, when he answered that question, honestly, to himself, I mean, it was just him and his toothbrush, right? And, uh, you know, it, the, there's no hiding when it's just you, right? And, <laughs> you know, but to be able, but to be able to ask that question of yourself every day and, you know, figure out, okay, am I still passionate about what I'm doing today? Right? Yep. And if you are, fantastic, go head first in, right? If you're not, I'm out. You know, there's yep. no, you don't have to break rocks for a living, right? You know, totally this, agree. This un this this new economy uh, provides so many opportunities for entrepreneurs, you know, between uh, the gig economy and the real estate economy, and you know, all the other entrepreneurial opportunities out there. Um, you know, do what you love and get figure out a way. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I think that's where people are starting to realize that you know. 
you know, the Fed's doing everything they can to lower unemployment or to increase unemployment, I should say, to, you know, have lower amount of jobs. But, you know, you see all over the media that, you know, Facebook's laying off people, Amazon's laying off people, but unemployment doesn't go anywhere. It's because there's just that many people hiring, but also you're talking about the gig economy is no longer does someone need to go and find somewhere else to work. They can continue to work or they can go find a side hustle online. And it's just, it's a whole different world than it was even from the last recession in 08. So true. Yeah. So this is my professionally, I think it's my third real recession. And, and I'm kind of mushing together this coming 2023 recession with COVID, right? I think that's one big economic event, but the, you know, the, the thing that I've also realized is that it's a tremendous opportunity and you touched really on it, in it a minute ago that um you know when someone gets laid off it's it has nothing to do with talent it has it has a lot to do with how much we're paying you and were you in the door last right i mean it's yep. really that simple and so there's a lot of talent that gets let at, when facebook lets 10,000 people go you know 9500 of those people are really good at what they do could not agree more. I mean, one of the biggest pieces of advice I was given about six months ago with this impending, you know, recession, whether or not we're in a recession, I think we're in a recession personally, but one of the biggest pieces of advice that I was given by someone who manages almost 10,000 apartment units does incredibly well was that, Anthony, if you're going to hire anyone, look at hiring them over the next 12 to 18 months, because he's like, that's where I found my CFO. That's where I found my CEO. He's like, that's where I found these most talented people in his business all came out of the last recession because they were they were laid off, their job became obsolete, or simply that there's going to be people scared in these businesses. If, you, if you're in a really successful business, you realize you're over leveraged, you're probably going to start looking for other jobs. If you're like a CFO or something, you can hire them into your company. They know how to manage a massive portfolio and you're just a small piece, but they're also going to give you that mindset to grow into the massive portfolio. And that was the biggest piece of advice. He said, he's like, the best investment you will make over the next 12 to 18 months is who you hire. And I Thanks. would encourage anyone to take that exact same mindset with them. hundred percent agree with that. The, um, you know, the, the, the person who runs our operation. So, uh, Tori Jenkins, she is amazing. And, uh, you know, she worked as a marketing person, a merchandising person in the retail space and COVID hit and nobody was going to the malls anymore. So they, mm-hmm. they cut their, their, they cut Tori's team. Right. Yeah. And I jumped on the opportunity to get her in here and yeah, she had nothing to do ever with uh, with real real estate, but you know she's rocking 150 IQ. She's a hard worker. Wow. She's, you know, there's nothing she can't figure out. And I just threw a bunch of stuff at her and said, "Okay, let's figure this out." And just that act, and you know, we we pay her we pay her well, but she's worth every penny. And I probably shouldn't say this yeah. publicly. She's probably worth way more than we're paying her. But <laughs> um, so hopefully Tori doesn't listen to this episode. I mean, it's great. Every employee should be making, you know, five times what you're paying them type of deal and, and, and benefit to the company, whether or not they, that comes in profit, but they, you know, the revenue increase and whatnot. And, and they should. And this year we're looking at hiring like a vice president of construction, a marketing manager and some other roles in our business. And I couldn't be more excited because I just think there's going to be, especially in like construction and development yeah. as single family homes have slowed down. I think it's going to be a massive opportunity for us to find some Absolutely. crazy employees that we'll have for the next 10, 20 years who will grow our business right. from point A to point B. Yeah. So, and they will also, you know, rock as, as David Green says, you know, rock stars, no rock stars. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, those people you bring into your culture, they also know really good people. Yeah. And so as you continue to grow, you can not only, you know, hire, take advantage of, you know, downturns in the economy to hire really smart people, but you can also find really good people through the people you already have hired. Right. Yep. And so it just becomes this snowball effect that is, uh, 
uh, you know, can really help you scale your business very quickly and very efficiently. So we hey, couldn't agree more. So, All right. yeah. So, so one of the things that I'm always curious about is, uh, is how executives like yourself take in information, right? You know, I, I'm an old guy, right? I'm in my, I'm in my early fifties and, you know, there's something about that tactile turning of a page that still mm-hmm. gets me juiced. Right. And, you know, and then I, I see, you know, other folks around me and I, I'm, I read electronically as well, but, um, you know, that take in information via, you know, audio books or, you know, just on a, on a tablet of some sort. Yeah. Um, or listen to podcasts and YouTube videos and all that. So, you know, it, it's the, it's the old axiom leaders are readers. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of think that that means a lot more than just turning the page on a paper book. Um, yep. So, so what kind of information, how do you take in information and what are you paying to what, and who are you paying attention to these days? Great question. So how I take in information, you know, I've read a lot, I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich, and I'm constantly reading a book, you know, yeah. and, but I'm not a, I'm not a finish a book a week type person. Yeah. I'm the person that I go to the gym every morning. I listen to a podcast while I'm going to the gym, at the gym, leaving the gym. If I'm in the car, not on a phone call, I'm listening to podcasts. I've been, I've probably, you know, when I first got started, I listened to probably 500 episodes of Bigger Pockets. Now I've, you know, graduated to probably some higher level, like in-depth stuff or just, you know, really mindset, becoming a better leader. Yep. The podcasts are by far the number one thing that I listen to. I'm I'm obsessed with podcasts. Um, the biggest ones that I'm listening to right now, I love Ed Milet. I just think as he is as a person, the mindset he puts into you is great. I've listened to a lot of Alex Hermosi and uh, Layla Hermosi. I mean, Layla just launched Build, which is all about running a $100 million business. And me as a leader executive, I want to know how to run a well-efficient, well-oiled machine. So I'm listening to her and her new content she's putting out. And it's been really good. I mean, she's you know, 28 years old and worth over a hundred million dollars. She's yeah. done something right in her life. She has. Um, the other person, I mean, I still listen to a lot of Brandon Turner. I could not be more excited for the podcast he's about to launch. Yep, me um, too. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to be named, but he's going to do a lot of personal branding, a lot of real estate. Um, and then just really in depth, you know, real estate. And I pick and choose. There's some real estate ones that I listen to. I, I try to get the high level stuff. I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, anything condescending, but I want, you know, the high level ingrained stuff. Cause I understand numbers. I understand, you know, managing assets. Right. So I'm listening to Ken McRoy and sure. you know, the real estate syndication show, but I, I'm picking and choosing from a little bit of those, whichever the titles, which that's why tiling a podcast is so important. Yeah. The title speaks to me. I'll listen to it type of deal. Right. Yeah, yeah, so it's so I, I I read books similarly, right? If it, if a title catches my eye, and then you know, so I was an English major in college, so I'm I'm okay. a little snobby when it comes to reading, <laughs> and so I'll read the first page, you know, skip through the introductions and and prefaces and all that, but you know, I'll read like the first couple of paragraphs of the first chapter, and if it grabs mm-hmm. me, I read the book. If it doesn't, you know, I don't. And the same the thing next. for podcasts. <laughs> I listen, yeah, I listen to the, you know, I. I, I actually try not to listen to the first edition or the first episode of a podcast because I think it takes, you know, totally. 30, 40 episodes to kind of figure it out, um, you know, as a host. But the, mm-hmm. uh, so I, list, you know, I arbitrarily pick one and I listen to it. And, you know, if they hook me in the first couple of minutes, um, I'm going to binge the, you know, the whole darn list. But, I love it. Yep. Yeah, so same, same. So, awesome. um, so let me ask you, when you're, when you're not talking about real estate and saving the world from, uh, from, uh, you know, homelessness, um, <laughs> what, what, what else do you like to do? 
Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty basic. I'm, I'm, I'm young. So I have a lot of time to focus on business. So that yeah. takes up a majority, but you know, I, I kind of have, like I say, like my big four, you got real estate, of course, then I've got family and friends. I spend a lot of time, you know, whether it's with, I think, you know, I, I realize I have limited time with my family and stuff, especially my parents there. Yep. You know, my dad just turned over, you know, 60 years old. So um, I just want to spend time with them, make sure I'm there for them. Um, friends and family and friends as well. Yeah. Um, and then outdoors, I love boating and skiing. I think that's just a, a, a you know, I live in Coeur d'Alene for a reason. It's because yeah, I love the why, outdoors right? and then, yeah. And then traveling, you know, if I'm, if I'm not doing any of those three things, I'm, you know, want to jump on a plane and go to California or Scottsdale or Cabo type idea, or just drive, you know, to go skiing a big sky, Montana type idea. So yeah. those are my big four right now in life. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly live in the right part of the world to be able to go that, right? <laughs> Um, well, I live here. Yeah, yeah, right. By choice. Are you from? Are you from that area, or did you relocate there? I'm just curious. Great question. So my uh, my whole family is actually from Gilroy, California. Okay, um, but I'm the capital my of the world. Garlic capital of the world. Um, but I'm the I'm the youngest of five children. And when I was seven months old, so I don't even remember it, my parents said, you know, we're not raising a family in California. We're not raising a family here. We wanted a peaceful, slower bit of you know life. Quit some good jobs down there, moved up to uh, Sandpoint, Idaho, which is even farther north than Coeur d'Alene, smaller town, bigger lake. Um, and they've lived there ever since. They bought some property and have lived, you know, a more peaceful, I would say, lifestyle. And yeah. they they won't turn back at all. So nice. um, I I was I grew up in, you know, Coeur d'Alene. I mean, not Coeur d'Alene, sorry, Sandpoint. Uh, went to school at University of Idaho. So I have Idaho and moved for a little bit, but then came back just because it is so beautiful here. You know, I, yes. I grew up in Sandpoint, which is much different than Coeur d'Alene. I live in Coeur d'Alene now, but I, you just can't get enough of, I think it's the most beautiful place I, I've I, ever been I, to. So. I love that entire part of the world. I, I, I can't say I've been to Idaho. I've been there once. Um, but I have been a very close friend of mine lives in uh, the Park City area, and I've, I try okay. to get out there. And Park uh, City is gorgeous. Yeah, and I imagine it's very similar. So yeah, more uh, trees. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, uh, so Anthony, when you know, if somebody wants to get a hold of you uh, or wants to learn more about some of the deals you have coming up in this uh, coming year, uh, you know, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, I mean, I'd say my two biggest presence, I'd either follow myself on LinkedIn or uh, Instagram. You can just type in Anthony Walker, Anthony Walker 18, you'll find me. Or uh, visit our website, www.cornerstonecommercialinvestments.com. And you can, my phone number's on there. You can reach out, schedule a meeting with me, whatever you feel like doing. Um, but I'd love to talk with you if you're interested in investing or anything like that. Excellent. Well, Anthony Walker, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's really nice to see you. And uh, uh, at some point, I'm going to invite myself out and, and uh, we're going to go skiing together. <laughs> Please do. Please yeah. do. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. All right. Likewise. All right. Bye. Thanks, Anthony. This has been the Real Estate Underground Podcast, a Clark Street Capital presentation. Thanks for joining us. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you'd like to learn more about Clark Street Capital and our upcoming projects, please join our investor club at clarkst.com slash join. Until next time, happy investing.